Thanks, Cheryl. Last week, as we celebrated Resurrection Sunday, we remember Jesus' triumph over the grave. We talked about how God met each of the disciples in our story where they were, and God ministered to them in that place. We talked about the witnesses to the empty grave. There was Mary, who upon discovering that the, that the Savior was gone, ran to tell the other disciples. There were Simon Peter and John, the two men who raced to the grave because they needed to witness for themselves his missing body. And they saw, and scripture says, and they believed, and they returned home. Mary, once again alone in the garden outside the tomb, is weeping, still overcome by her grief. She doesn't yet understand what has happened. In fact, it took hearing the Savior's voice as he quietly whispered her name for her to realize what she had been witness to. Later in the story, we talked about how Thomas, poor doubting Thomas, needed to see for himself and to touch the wounds of Christ to believe that Jesus was indeed alive. They all needed to witness in their own way, seeing, hearing, touching, and believing. It makes you wonder, really, why this witnessing business seems so difficult. Why did they have to see to believe? Why did she have to hear to believe? Why did poor Thomas have to see for himself, touch the very wounds of Jesus. What is the problem? Why did they all have to do it their own way? Well, imagine for a moment that it were you in their place. You who were witnessing this story, the greatest story ever seen or heard or felt. Would you believe your eyes? Would you question would you believe if someone else told you about it? They had seen that Jesus had come. He had lived the life of a normal man. In scripture, it says, someone said, isn't that Joseph's kid? We know him. He can't be the savior. And then things began to change, and they witnessed that. Miracles began to happen. People began to follow him. He began to teach multitudes. Everything changed from Jesus being a typical carpenter's son to Jesus being the Messiah. And they followed and they believed, they learned as he taught. And then people became angry. The people in charge, the religious leaders became very, very angry. And your witness to all of that, your witness to his ministry as it happens, your witness to the growing anger, and then your witness to the culmination of all of it. You've seen the miracles. You've heard the teaching. You saw him walk on the water. You saw him feed thousands. You see people being raised from the dead. You're witness to it all. And then in the span of a week, one week, everything changes. Again, this miracle-making, water-walking Christ is arrested, tried, convicted, and crucified all in the span of just a few days, and then he's gone, hidden behind a rock, guarded by the Romans. 
and you've witnessed the seeming end to it all. Everything that you had hoped for buried in a tomb. And now you don't even trust your own testimony. Now you're not sure what you've witnessed. Could it have been a mistake? Did I really see him walk on the water? Did I really see Lazarus again? Am I remembering it right? Could it have been a trick? Could it have been a lie? What, but but what, about, what about the wine? What about the fish and the loaves? And you begin to wonder, what exactly did I even see? What did I witness? Little did these witnesses know that the story was about to change once again. And we see the change begin in the scripture we read last week with Mary and Peter and John. And then as more and more and hundreds and even thousands begin to see Jesus, the risen Christ. And then they think, wait a minute, wait. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't a trick. It was all real because we've seen him. We've heard him. We've touched him. He is alive. Put yourself in their shoes. What if it had been you? What if you had been witness to all of that? We are storytellers in my family. I've come to the conclusion that it's genetic. My dad loved to tell stories, but he took forever. He told you every road he drove to get there. And remember that guy? And he's, he doesn't live there anymore. And they repainted his barn. And can you believe they did that? And by the time you get where you're going, you forgot where, he, where you even started and why you're even going there. My mom is an entertainer with her stories. And you often don't know where you're going. And you don't even know if you want to go anymore. Dominic, he's the historian in the crowd. His stories sound more like, do you remember on that Tuesday when you had that purple shirt on and then you said this and I, I did that and you think, I don't remember what I have on right now. I certainly don't remember that Tuesday when I had a purple shirt on. I don't even think I own a purple shirt. Then you're thinking about, do you own a purple shirt? And he's still talking. David's dad was a storyteller. Shouldn't surprise anyone that he was a preacher. David himself is a storyteller, and the more obscure the facts of the story are, the better he likes it, because then you're wondering, how do you even know who owns the copyright to Happy Birthday? And then you're annoyed that you're thinking about that, and he's very proud of himself. We love a good story. It is not a rare thing every day in our home to hear someone say, oh, you have got to hear this. Wait until you, you are not going to believe what I saw. Wait until you hear this. Or if you're Dominic, you know, look at this. He's got his, you know, recording. He's got his pictures on his phone in his hand. Look at this, mom. You are not going to believe what I just saw. We are storytellers. Can anyone relate to that? Do you have storytellers in your family? We can't, we're not the only ones, right? We might be the, but there you go, AJ. Thank you. <laughs> when you are witness to something, oftentimes you feel compelled to share what you've seen. You feel compelled to tell others, especially if it's a good story. Well, these people, these people of ancient times, they were witness to something unfathomable. 
That's what the disciples went forward to tell, the story of Jesus, once dead, now risen, walking through locked doors to attest to his own life. They went forward to tell the most amazing story they had ever seen, heard, touched, felt, a story that we are still telling 2,000 years later, the story of Jesus, the greatest story ever told, the story of how he lived and how he died and how he rose again for all of us. Being a witness, though, as Hillary can attest because she witnessed my car being hit and now she's got to talk to the police and the insurance company. And Being a witness... <laughs> but she wouldn't mind talking to the one cop. Being a witness, it's tricky business. It, it comes with trouble sometimes. And that's what we're hearing about in our scripture today. We're hearing in our scripture reading that Peter and the other apostles are called on the carpet. They're called into the office of the high priest and the religious rulers are furious. You see, they thought they, thought they had this problem, the Jesus problem taken care of. These apostles had been told in no uncertain terms, do not teach of this story. They have been warned against it, yet here we find them traveling and teaching, running around like my family saying, you have got to hear this. You are never going to believe it. The religious leaders thought they had this under control, but the movement of God won't be controlled, so they are livid. They said, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. They won't even say it, the name of Jesus. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. You are determined to bring this man's blood on us. The priests had thought that they had eliminated the problem of Jesus, but quite the opposite had happened. And Peter and the rest had been witness to it. And so the disciples say to the leaders, listen, we obey God. The God who raised up Jesus, you know, that Jesus, the one that you had killed. We are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. The story of the disciples' witness provoked great anger among the priests of the council. See, the problem that they hoped had been eliminated had now caught fire. We are witnesses, they said. Not just to Jesus being raised again, we have been witnesses to new life that comes with the story, the story of God and believing in it, the story of Jesus and the power of God's Holy Spirit. Our lives have been redefined, they say. We are changed. And so to ask them not to witness would be like telling them not to breathe. They can't. They have been empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to go and to witness to all that they saw. The man, the miracles, the teachings, the death, and the new life. You can't see that and remain the same. You can't witness that and walk away unchanged. We are witnesses we must testify. And I love the frankness of Peter. His mouth got him in trouble a lot. Seemingly no worry for him as he says, look, look, you're the ones 
You're the ones that got yourself in this position. Jesus is alive, and I'm not going to make excuses for my brothers and sisters and I in teaching other people about him. He's not hiding behind any sort of statement. He's not apologizing. There's no remorse. He's just calling it exactly like it is because what other choice does he have? He says, I obey God. You live with what you did, and you face that aftermath. We, we are witnesses, and we must testify. Peter declared in that moment that he was a witness to the story of God. He declared that his fellow disciples, his brothers and his sisters, were witnesses to the story of God. And each time we have heard the story and each time we have shared the story of God, we have declared ourselves as witnesses. Not through our own power, but through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We have taken on the identity of a witness. So what will you do with that identity? Throughout Lent, we talked about doing random acts of kindness as our Lenten worship. Well, now Easter's come and gone. Now what? Now what do we do with ourselves? Now the real work begins. The work of Easter, the witnessing of Easter in a world that thirsts for hope we are witness that hope can be found. We are witnesses to the difference that God has made and will continue to, continue to make in our lives and the lives of those that we love. In a world that faces difficult day after difficult day, we can be witnesses that difficult days can be overcome or at least made bearable because of the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. In a world that is desperate for miracles, we are witnesses to God's movement every day. The modern day miracles that we are privileged enough to witness. You know, I used to think it would be easier if we had just been with Jesus when he was alive. I used to think, well, if I could just have been there, then it would be a lot easier to witness. But as I learn more and more about the disciples and I see their struggles, and even though they lived with the physical manifestation of God, they struggled. They didn't get it. But God continued to show them. And Jesus continued to teach them. And the Holy Spirit continued to empower them. And so when we struggle, which we will, with our witness, God will be faithful. And Jesus will lead us. And the Holy Spirit will continue to empower us to see and witness the miraculous work of God in our world. We are witnesses. But a witness is only as good as his or her testimony. If we haven't accepted the gift of grace fully offered by Jesus, then we can't witness to the change that God has made in our lives. If we're not studying the story, then we can't witness to God's history. If we're not actively seeking God and watching for modern day movements of the spirit of God, then we can't witness to God's working in our lives. You see, there's, there's two sides to this story that we heard today. Those who witnessed and chose to ignore what they saw. And there are those who were running around saying, oh, have I got a story for you. You're not going to believe it. 
but it's great. The story doesn't change, only the witnessing. Which side of the fence are you on? Which side will you choose? Will you choose to see the good in the world, the God in the world? I'm with Peter. I'm going to try to be a witness. I'm going to try to witness to the glory of God, to the rising of Jesus Christ, to the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I am going to try to witness to the goodness of God until all people hear. And all God's people said, amen.